Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise a Machine. This is episode number 124. My name is Alexander Holland. I'm one of your hosts. I'm sat here live and direct in sunny and warm Berlin, Germany today, and as always, sat digitally across from me on the other side of this beautiful globe, name of Earth, is my beautiful, round, like Earth, pod brother, <laughs> name of, <laughs> my, my globe, is my globe shaped, Your my spirit, my, my globular pod brother, mm. my glob brother, John, John Maloney. Maloney. I'm, I'm direct to, from trying to Melbourne, do a glo- Australia. A, a very globe type voice. What would I sound like? Smooth, jo- smooth and round. John Maloney. Smooth <laughs> Smooth and round. Yeah. John, you sent me a text message in the week that gave me such an amount of joy. And it's (laughs) funny, actually, because we send each other so many text messages in the week Mm. that I just enjoyed this. And it wasn't until days later that I was Mm. like, we've got to talk about this on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And that just shows you how much... Absolute gold might just be going through to the slips when we're yeah. just riffing every week. We've got our, we don't have our podcast hats on. When we don't have our podcast hats on, when we're just mm. enjoying each other's friendships without, mm. try, without trying to turn it into content. Mm. In the week, you sent me a text message on WhatsApp that yeah. just said, are you familiar with DJ Diesel? <laughs> and I said, I am not. Will you please mm-hmm. give me two seconds? Yeah. And so I tap into Google DJ Diesel. And the first thing that comes up is a picture of Shaquille O'Neal, what looks like DJing at a music festival with thousands mm. and thousands of people in front of him. Now the Shaq attack, he's such an iconic member of the Don't Praise the Machine law. He's really a Don't Praise the Machine all-star. So it was such a yes. treat. Yeah. Whenever his, whenever his face pops up. You know it's gonna be, you know it's gonna be some real good from the from the Shack Attack, and Mr. Shack Attack, Mr. Board Member of Papa John's Pizza. He's not just a former NBA mm, superstar. We've He's talked about that, haven't we? Board Member of Papa John. Man, does this man have his finger in not just pepperoni pies? Yeah, but apparently he's got his fingers in DJing pies. Mm. And it just made me really like, we'll get to him in a second. And we'll talk about the kind of music that he was playing. Yeah. But I was laughing and I, then I went for a jog about yeah. three days later. Yeah. I went for a jog and then I was like, I started thinking about other celebrity DJs mm. that they've been over the years. And then mid jog, I was so overcome with excitement that I sent you a voice message. You were very mid- puffed. Yeah. I was going... Oh, hey, ha, ha, John, excuse me, because I am running at the moment, but I really want to send you a text message. I've had a really good idea about what yeah. we talk about this week. I was like a sexy ghost. I get all my ideas on the toilet, and so I send you similar similar <laughs> cadence messages. Strained. <laughs> send me strained messages. Yeah, that's right. And I said to you in the text message... John, there's so many celebrity DJs, just mm-hmm. like Shaquille O'Neal, and <laughs> we got it. We got to talk about it. So that's what yeah. this week's podcast, at least the first bit. Yeah, I guess it's a nice bit of it's a cultural 
tendency. It's a cultural yeah. trend that's cropped up. It's a little bit of uh, a kind of interesting adjunct to the celebrity goings on of different celebrities that you might have heard of. I was surprised by the extent to which uh, I I uh, was unaware that mm. celebrities who I knew very well were doing this. Some of them are people that you might <laughs> expect. Others you think, who the, who the hell would book that person to do a DJ set in any sense? Yeah. Um, so I'm... Unsurprisingly, I was more aware of this because yeah, I, my, sure I myself, true. you might catch you, you might catch me behind the ones and twos occasionally doing a scritch scratch, grabbing mm. the microphone, yeah, and and, ra- and rapping at the audience and saying, "Come on, everybody, I'm here to say I'm the <laughs> DJ and this guy in the USA." I said, "Hip hop." <laughs> so, John. There's a couple of reasons why celebrity DJing has become more popular in the most in more recent years. Mm-hmm. I think the first celebrity DJ, and when I say celebrity DJ, I mean somebody will define a celebrity DJ as not somebody who's become famous from DJing like no. Pete Tong or somebody like this yeah. or Carl Cox. This is somebody who's famous in another area. They're typically actors. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Or I, 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 typically actors, but you do have the occasional sports person mm. or... Like the, like the Shack Attack. Like the Shack Attack, or in the case of the first person I want to talk about, the first celebrity DJ that I was really aware of was in the 90s, and it was Boy George. And Boy George, of course, was the lead singer of 80s new wave group Culture Club. Mm -hmm. And he was massive. So massive, in fact, that when I was in London on my most recent trip a couple of weeks ago, I went to uh, the Brand Museum. Get down to the Brand Museum, oh, wow. everybody, and check that out in London. And they are where they had a lot of, um, they just have it- basically items that you could buy, supermarket mm. items, toys from different eras uh, oh, in London. Cool. And, and from the 80s, there was a massive Boy George <laughs> doll that wow. you could buy, just to give you some sense. Of his stature. Of how famous and massive, yeah. Mm. And I remember when I started to get into dance music as a teen in the late 90s, mm-hmm. Boy George was a, essentially, I think he was a, started off as a progressive house kind of DJ. And so okay. he'd gone from being in Culture Club. Yeah. Obviously, Culture Club by that stage, they'd either broken up or on hiatus or yeah. I'm not sure. But suddenly, because of the explosion of dance music, culture in the uk uh, and europe in particular yeah you could command really enormous fees for a dj set so Mm. it made sense that if you were able to sell yourself as a club dj particularly Mm. a celebrity club dj like boy george Mm. you'd be able to go to ibiza and also clubs in the uk and around europe as boy george yeah and just ask for like i'm sure silly fees to be able to to play now back much much more than you would get for just being a just being boy george and doing a few tracks or something as a some sort of well well the thing is that the thing is that that it's much easier to just buy a bunch of records and say i'm gonna i'm gonna play these rather than i'm gonna go in the air I'm going to make an album and I'm going to get studio time and we're going to promote the album Absolutely. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's a lot of time, effort, and money. So, yeah. So, Boy George, he became a, like, big room club DJ in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Now, back in the 90s, DJing was pretty much exclusively done on vinyl. 
And okay. the one skill that you needed to be able to have, do you know what? Do you know what it is, John? If I said to you, what's the one technical skill? If you look at it, like let's mm-hmm. just talk with, with if you were to see somebody that's DJing with two turntables back in the day, yeah. you, you yeah. still you still see this occasionally now. Yeah. Do you know what the one technic as a layman? I do. Do you I know? Think I do. Okay. Is it hyping up the crowd? <laughs> no. Is it? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> It's uh, it's mixing, <sighs> it's mixing so that you get a smooth transition from one track. Correct. To the next. Yeah. Okay. Correct, John. You're a cool club dude. So that's yeah. uh, that's known that's known as beat matching or beat mixing. Right. Okay. And back in the day when DJing started, mm-hmm. uh, as we know it today, in kind of club culture in the with disco in the seventies and into the eighties, and the way that you would do that is you'd get two turntables. Eventually, it became the Technics. 1200s were the uh, industry standard. And the Technics 1200s basically had a pitch slider, but all the pitch slider did was it would either speed the turntable, the mechanical turntable up 8, I think it's like 8%, or it would slow it down 8%. And what this allowed DJs to do was if they're playing two songs at the same time and one of Mm. them was within 8% speed-wise, tempo-wise of the other, then a, a skilled DJ could speed up or slow down the records to match one another in terms of tempo. Mm, okay, yeah. And yeah. then once you do once you do that, uh, you could then, in theory, blend them more seamlessly together. You would use mm. a crossfader typically from one record to the other. The mm-hmm. seamless mix is created. The dance floor doesn't have to stop between mm. tracks. Suddenly yeah. you've created... A global movement. So that's um, <laughs> there you go. Fairly so that simple. Was, that was the one skill. That was the one skill that you really needed to have. I mean, look, that's yeah. a technical skill you need to have. Selection is really the main thing you need to have. Sure. But I, I, I had a bit of a dig into Boy George, and I'm not. I think that he could beat match. Okay. okay. Uh, back, yeah. Back in the day. Right. But the thing with beat matching is it is a massive barrier to mm. entry because mm. it is tough it, it? takes okay. yeah a lot of practice to get mm. good at this to develop an ear for it and, and also so, i presume you've got to you've got to choose tracks that are amenable to beat matching you can't just go from like a you know any song to any other song you've got to think about or well, at what point do i want to make the transition what's the track i'm going into or coming correct. out of etc yeah so i could put on you know the chieftains. Let's say I was playing the chieftains. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. If you're if you're a, if you'd worked if you'd worked the crowd to a point where they trusted you, you could you could definitely play a bunch of dancey stuff for a while, and then yep. at the peak moment, drop a chieftains track. If you were yeah, an extremely okay. skilled DJ, have them go <laughs> mad as yeah. a bit of a cha- as a bit of a change, and then bring back in. Yeah, my favorite DJ. That's what my favorite DJs do. Is they'll okay. They'll have a dance floor in the palm of their hand, and then they'll have the dance floor trust them mm. and then they'll go now i'm gonna play something wacky and everyone yeah. just goes mad because right. they go yeah we didn't expect the chieftains and here mm. they are we're losing <laughs> our mind <laughs> and then back into you typically back into something maybe a bit more dancey but yeah so yeah. the beat matching thing it was a massive barrier to entry okay uh fast forward 20 years nobody yep. uses turntables and in terms of the physical vinyl turntable nobody's using that anymore everybody's using cdjs now Uh a couple of things happen with this change in technology for one people used to need to buy physical 
vinyl records that were mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. They needed to carry them around in record boxes. They were very heavy. And then they needed to technically know how to bloody beat match, right? Right, yeah. Suddenly, suddenly, the technology allows for you to have all of your songs as computer files on a USB stick. Okay. You plug it into these devices that are called CDJs, which mirror the traditional turntable uh-huh. technology of the, of the Technics final turntable. And there's no carrying mm. bloody record boxes around. You don't have to invest any money. You can just fucking download all your music pirate off the internet. Hmm. So now it co- now it costs you virtually nothing, and you can mm. learn how to tell the machine to beat match for you now. That's called yeah, wow. the sync button. And suddenly, yeah, anybody got- can do it. There's no, there's no skills and there's no bills. That's what they say about no, it now. There's no skip. There's no skills and there's no bills. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's that's I think plastered all over pioneers' advertisements <laughs> for their CDJ technology. <laughs> DJing, no skills, no bills. Get involved. Get involved. So that's yeah. led to a floodgate being opened. Because is, that, is that what's it's happened? A floodgate being opened. Correct. Mm. So. Perhaps we could just start going through some of the people that now mm. are celebrity DJs basically being able to trade on their celebrity brand mm-hmm. and turn going to promoters in Ibiza and mm-hmm. saying, I was in a TV show that people sort of remember. Why mm. don't you just book me as the character from the TV show? <laughs> yeah. I'll get up there and just play a bunch of songs that my manager sent me to play. Um <laughs> It's funny, actually, the thing that I'm telling you about the beat matching because uh, I think definitely some people on this list will not even beat match. What they're actually doing is they're getting up there. They have an a pre-recorded hour. They press play and they stand <laughs> wow. there and do nothing for an hour, which is just yeah, wow, which is great. Um, do they still? Um, you maybe we'll get into this, but do they still kind of uh, do the sort of theatrical movements as though they might be yes. as though somebody who doesn't know what they're looking for might think they're mixing vinyl. Correct. Yes. So so or, or using vinyl. You can it's not hard if you go on YouTube and you look up yeah. fake DJs or or worse yeah. fake DJ fails there's countless videos over the last ever, uh, years of not yeah. not just celebrities but also just other people that wanted to position themselves as DJs. And yep. Somebody is filming from behind the DJ where the crowd can't see, and the person, yeah. like the the like the CDJs aren't even bloody switched on, and the person is <laughs> clapping and moving the sliders on the mixer up and down and pumping their hand <laughs> in the air and doing literally wow. not doing literally nothing. Uh, yeah, because when you and I used to go, when you were a budding DJ, you know, twenty years ago, and we used to go to things, and I, I would always be interested in the like the art of looking as though you would you you knew what you were doing which was always part of the theater of it like putting the pressing your uh headphone up to your ear which i'm sure served a practical purpose obviously but it was also sort of part of became part of the dj aesthetic all those little finger twisty movements (laughs) and you know that sort of and then a bit of a you'd do that for a bit then you'd do a few fist pumps and so now and now that's not really necessary anymore, at least for some people, but they're still But you pretend, doing you still do the I've, movements. Otherwise you go, well, that's just, if you weren't doing that, they'd be like, well, 
you're not really being a DJ, are you? You know, it's funny. <laughs> I used to call it uh, the thing you're talking about um, when you would you would just make a slight adjustment to one of the equalizer knobs. So you might there's a little mm-hmm. there's there's knobs on each channel of the DJ mixer for the high end, the mid range, and the and the low end, the bass typically. Right. Like you might remember a graphic equalizer on your dad's home stereo in the 1980s. Sure, and so. Yeah. What DJs will do uh, is they will often they would often just twist the knobs very gently, make these little adjustments, and then quickly pull the hand away. And I used to call that hot knobbing because mm. I used to say it was like all the all <laughs> all the EQ dials were extremely hot, and so you could only just you could only just <laughs> touch them a tiny bit, and then pull your hand back like your fingers had been burned. Yeah, and we used to call that hot knobbing. Hot knobbing. It's like the musical equivalent of throwing the pizza dough in the air. Like, I don't know that you really need to be doing that, but everyone enjoys it. <laughs> spinning, yeah. the co- spinning the cocktail bottles. Yeah, exactly. So, John, maybe we can go through some of the current moment's top celebrity DJs. I've listened to some of the styles of music that they play. Why don't right. Have you got any on your list there that you want to start with? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I was particularly interested in the people that um, I wasn't expecting. So, we, and and I've got a little. I also did a little bit of fun digging about Shaq, and he was obviously the inspiration for this whole uh, this whole rabbit hole. Yeah, but he he's kind of. I mean, he's obviously. You, you sort of look at him and think, well, he's a fifty-one-year-old man or something now. Yeah, and he's a basketballer. So why is he? just suddenly making himself out to be a DJ and going by DJ Diesel. <laughs> but he actually has been making music, unlike a lot of these people, for a long time. Yeah, right? So course. even when he was when he was um, in his kind of initial heyday and you had uh, like his rise to fame, essentially, in the early 90s, that coincided with a kind of pretty quickly with a kind of Shaq brand that yeah, he, he's uh, no he's cultivate. no stranger to branding Shaq. He's very comfortable no, he's being not. a brand. He's not. He's very savvy. He was straight on the like, yeah, I'm good at basketball, but I'm also kind of notoriously a bit lazy and I'm not going to be uh, around forever doing that. So I'm just going to be in movies and I'll probably be like plugging energy drinks and God yeah, knows I'll what. I'll have my own video and, game. And as part of that, exactly, as part of that, he uh, he had this alter ego Shaq Diesel, I think it was, which ah. was the name of his, also the name of his debut album from Year Zero of the DPTM Universe, nineteen ninety three. He has an, so that he was has pretty an, early on. He has an album from ninety three. Yeah, an wow. album called Shaq Diesel. Uh, you remember it? It's got such <laughs> hits as I sure do. Don't we all? <laughs> as yeah. It's got, I know I got skills. Skills are spelt with a Z, obviously. Wow. Shoot past slam. So he was obviously writing raps about being a basketballer. <laughs> um, and my favorite, What's Up Doc, Can We Rock, featuring Foo Schnickens. Um, and, uh, and, uh, holy shit. I'm sorry. I'm just, having then, a, I'm just having a look here, John. I've just found it. Yeah, have a look. It's got yeah. one of the songs has Fife Dog on it. Fife okay. Dog, it was one of the members of a tribe called Quest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of, that's a bit of legitimacy on uh, Shaq Diesel. So that was 93. Then in 1994, you've got 
Shaq Fu Da Return. And I think that was, I think the use of the moniker Shaq Fu was a chance to cross-promote his 2D video fighting game, which was also called Shaq Fu, if I recall correctly. Yes. So he had a whole, he had a whole suite of, uh, of things that he was cross-promoting, which was cool. Um, then in 1995, um, I believe it was, is that the year that Michael Jackson's album History Correct. came out? So, uh, you may know this, but Shaq actually guest rapped on Michael Jackson's yeah. song, Too Bad, yeah, uh, I, which is pretty cool. Yeah. He was also on the Kazam soundtrack and he guested on an Aaron Carter track. Um, <laughs> and then in 19, 1996, he released You Can't Stop the Rain. Uh, Rain is spelled R-E-I-G-N. And then... And then he released the best of Shaquille O'Neal, which is pretty cool because it was only two years <laughs> after his debut album. But uh, he's already getting into like the you know the the essentials collections kind of phase of his career. The kind um, the kind that your then, dad might play on acoustic guitar and the campfire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and then then he followed up with 1998 Respect. Then 2001 Shaquille O'Neal presents his Super Friends, which I assume was a kind of collaborative effort. And then not much for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then in, or 22 years, in fact, then in, in 2023, the year that we're now in, uh, the album Gorilla Warfare came out. Gorilla is spelt G-O-R-I-L-L-A. He's big on the wordplay, Shaq, when he, when he releases an album. So, um, yeah, that's, and I think that's, uh, probably, just him lending, I don't know, to, I could be wrong about this. Maybe he's writing the the kind of hard dancey tracks that he's putting yeah. out. I'm pretty sure he would just be um, putting his name to someone else's work there and basically putting a CD, uh, putting an album out of his favorite DJ <clears throat> hits that he does when you, when you book D, uh, DJ Diesel. Yeah. Um, just to, just, uh, um, just another aspect of it. I had a look at... If you and I were to book yeah. a DJ Diesel for, say, a DPTM uh, 150 episodes party or something like that, <laughs> um, we'd be looking at, according to at least one source, we'd be looking at the kind of $150,000 yeah. plus range up to like a quarter of a million, depending on the size of the gig, et cetera. Yes. So it's a lot of money uh, that, that he's making from these gigs and uh, he's already got plenty of money, but... Um, yeah, that, so that's him. Drish, um, I'm just going to have a listen, John. I want to have. I've just opened up. He, I, I know what he. I've had a look at his DJ sets online on YouTube. I'm just going to have oh, yeah. a listen to his top song on Spotify for a sec. <laughs> and okay, so this is kind of Skrillexy sounding, very Skrillexy exactly, sounding yeah. future bass. Show credits. I'm having a look if I recognise any of the names on his. Right, yeah. Produced by... Yeah, you got the hat, yeah. You got the big build-ups. So it's... Yeah, okay. So that's kind of future bassy, And then it's very it's very American uh, dance music festival sounding. Mm -hmm. I am... I'm pretty tolerant of people's music taste these days. I remember when I was a kid <laughs> and I used to think Shania Twain was really lame. Now I love Shania Twain. Mm. 
And sure. so for the most part, I have a very open heart when it comes to people's music taste. I think because I'm a, because I'm quite into music, sometimes I meet people and when I ask them uh, to tell me what music they've been listening to, you can see they seize up because they think I'm going to judge them, but which, which is uh, right. actually the opposite. I'm, I'm actually would be quite excited if they told me uh, virtually mm. any music that they enjoy, I can usually relate to and go, oh, cool, what do you like about that? But I got I to gotta mm. say, mm. hard dubstep. <laughs> yeah. I still, if somebody, that is the thing that if you told me that at a party that you love hard dubstep, that I get very, I get very concerned because <laughs> it, I really just think it's maybe the worst sounding music that you can play me of all yeah, the musics yeah. that are available to humanity. The kind of stuff, sure. if you play me an hour of DJ Diesel, <laughs> oh, that's going to be tough for mm. me to get through. Yeah, it's it's quite worth a listen for that very reason. I put a couple of his tracks on and I was like, like legitimately having trouble. I was like, for, for research purposes, I want to hear this through to the end, but I really don't want to listen to any more. And the only reason I would put it on is to give people the shits or if I wanted a party to end and people to leave i'd put a, a dj diesel track on <laughs> who have you got uh who have you got next on your list there john another one was tara reed yeah 90s and naughty's perennial party girl slash uh increasingly sad persona tara <laughs> reed um so you can imagine her kind of flailing around at a party or you could have can i throw uh, one at you obviously yeah, I was going to say me. after 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 Tara Reid, the first one that springs to mind is Paris Hilton, and Paris yeah, Hilton, absolutely, she's huge in the celebrity DJ. Scene, yeah, right? and she obviously, in terms of brand recognition, is just—I mean, she'd be able to command more than Diesel for sure. And mm. so, what Paris will do is Paris's agent will be running around and saying, "You want DJ Paris Hilton at your event? Then it's going to cost mm-hmm. you like." 400 grand or something i'm sure just something nutty because that's insane her brand recognition is so strong and i don't know this for sure but i'm gonna guess i'm gonna get if there's a if there's a candidate for the pressing play and not doing anything else for the two hours (laughs) yeah she'd be up there yeah paris hilton started djing over 10 years ago as a kind of like i'll do it i'll do a few shows in ibiza because uh, I yeah. guess the Ibiza clubs can pay That's... her the money. My sister, shout out to Isabel, and mm-hmm. uh, also happy belated 30th to my birthday. To, happy yeah, belated happy birthday. 30th to Isabel, who turned 30 earlier this year. And Isabel saw Paris Hilton DJ in Ibiza, uh, I believe. Wow. Years ago. Yeah. There you go. That's one for the grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> Forget your Bob Dylan. Yeah, exactly. Um, One celebrity DJ that springs to mind who has, certainly in the UK, I would say is is almost now more famous for having transitioned from actor to DJ and radio host is Craig Charles, who played Lister on oh, yeah. Red Dwarf. Are you familiar? Oh, See, this, this is kind of yeah. a thing that people outside of the UK aren't aware of. They just know Red Dwarf. Mm. But Craig mm. Charles... Uh, he has been playing soul and funk music as a DJ for many years. And he ended up hosting his own show on BBC Six, uh, which I think either the show was called or a segment of the show was called The Trunk of Funk, The Trunk of Funk. And he hosts his own funk and soul parties 
certainly in London. And I went to one in Brixton hmm. with my crew a couple of years ago. Wow. And I think this is right. I'm pretty sure Craig Charles transitioned from doing his own um, just BB6 funk and soul show once a week. I think he's like a regular host on BB6 now during the day, like every day. Wow. You get Craig Charles. Yeah, okay. On, on BBC Six. So he's one, he's an actor now turned DJ. The other one that's actually, I listened to his sets and they actually weren't too bad. Mm. They're you're pretty stand, bog standard, but fairly listenable Ibiza tech housey vibe, uh, but actually yep. sounded like he could probably rock the party. And that's mm. The Wire's own drug dealer, kingpin aficionado himself, Stringer Bell, a.k.a. Idris Elba. He's one of the few people on the this journey that I was already familiar with at the outset, having made that Transition. pivot to celebrity DJing. Yeah. I was in Ibiza last year and there were a lot of Idris Elba billboards hmm. saying, come and see Stringer wow. Come and see Stringer Bell string a few <laughs> tracks <Stringer> together. <laughs> what about John, if I said the name to you, Christian Nine or Nane? Christian Nane. Yeah, he he's got the um the hit track "Hold the Door," doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So tell our audience why you love DJ Krista Nain. <laughs> because because uh, some people have a much greater tolerance for uh, very long running fantasy sagas than I do. I, I watched one season, but many people watched it right to the end. It's your favorite. Uh, Game of Thrones, mm. and you, you'll remember even people who are only are only kind of loosely acquainted with the show will remember the character Hodor, mm. and I think those who knew that character well uh, will be completely unsurprised that he had a the actor who played him had a career as a DJ afterwards because uh, <laughs> it's just very natural segue. <laughs> no, it struck me. It struck me as like. Because his whole thing, as I understood it, was he's, he was this kind of gentle giant who yeah. just said the word Hodor over yeah. and over, which, which in a somewhat bizarre plot twist was a kind of uh, mashed up uh, shortening of the phrase, hold the door. And uh, and so now he's gone, well, Game of Thrones is over. I guess I'll become a, a DJ. And uh, so you can, if you want to relive the... Uh, the glory days of, I don't know, Middle Earth. What was it? I can't, I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure. I can't remember what it was yeah. called either. <laughs> Dargarian. Um. <laughs> yeah, so long as you make those kind of sounds, it does sound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually listened to a Christian Nine. I think he's Northern Ireland. I think he's from Northern Ireland. Christian, yeah. sorry, Christian Nain, I think. Uh, he plays a kind of progressive trance style, which was actually fairly huh. listenable. And okay. so big up to you, Christian. Um, yeah, also from the fantasy genre <laughs> is, uh, is that there's a big um, fantasy protagonist DJ pivot. <laughs> trip. I don't know why. Um, yeah. Is, is everyone's blue-eyed favorite... Elijah Wood. Yeah. So Elijah Wood, a.k.a. Frodo Baggins, he loves mm. to load up his record Baggins full of records. Yeah. And he loads... DJ, DJ Second Breakfast, they call him. What? What's, what why do they say Second Breakfast? 
because the hobbits love to have a second breakfast. Oh. Or There's a joke about it in Lord of the Rings. What could you? What else could you say? DJ Hobbiton, uh, DJ Hairy Feet, DJ Big Hairy yeah. Feet. Okay, DJ Big Hairy yeah. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him as the boy who gave Michael J. Fox a hard time for using his hands to play an arcade game in Back to the Future. Two. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, wow. Because I think the yeah. whole thing is that in the future, video games, you don't even have to use your hands, but Michael J. Fox goes mm. back to the cafe 80s and they have, mm. I think the game's called Gunslinger and yeah. Michael J. Fox says, I used to be a crack shot at this and then he shoots all the mm. birds out of the sky or something. And Elijah Wood has a cool little, he's a little baby boy and he has a cool little visor hat on <laughs> like you would in the future and he turns to Michael yeah, J. Fox, yeah. he says, you mean you have to use your hands? That's like a baby's toy. And then he <laughs> said, I better go off and become a DJ. They, Him and a friend DJ as, this is, the, <laughs> this is one of those names that like, you know how um, particularly in, you know, I've always found in particularly in British comedy, they were great at coming up with pretentious sounding band names that are kind of bad. Mm. And so, so Elijah Wood and his friend, they DJ as Wooden Wisdom. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very like uni, first year uni band. Yeah, exactly. Name, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they DJ, and actually, I caught a YouTube video of them DJing this year at Primavera Sound in Barcelona. They got a gig oh, wow. to play at a major music festival in Europe. And actually, the video I saw, they were playing. Primal Scream, a track off Scream Adelica, which I actually thought was looked pretty well, decent music taste for old mm. Elijah Wood. And apparently Elijah plays vinyl as well. So apparently Wooden Wisdom, they got the skills to actually kick it back old school. Kick it back old school, do that beat matching with the manual motors. Now, John, have you got anyone else mm. there that you want to mention before we close out this celebrity DJ episode that everybody's loved so dear? I would like to say just two more things. One, no list of celebrity DJs would be complete without mentioning your friend and mine, former Motley Crew frontman, Tommy Lee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I saw who, that too. Uh, who's also a DJ. Um, again, somebody who I'm somewhat perplexed that anyone would ever book him. Perhaps they don't. I don't know. But he is uh, relatively cheap. So if you want to book, <laughs> I had a bit of... I had a bit of a look. If you book, uh, so Jack's very expensive, as you say. Yeah, Paris, Paris is probably, probably even more expensive. expensive. You might as well just buy a house if you're going to book Paris. But if you, um, if you wanted, say, a Tommy Lee, uh, well, if you wanted an, an Elijah Wood, you're looking at about a hundred grand, I think. Uh, um, really? And then if that's what it, that's what the agent website said. Now maybe he would be. It said <laughs> something before that, down. like. Depends on the size, depends on the nature of the gig. So maybe it's that's just his kind of starting uh, estimate, or maybe this website's inaccurate. But it in the same website suggested that uh, I think Tara Tara Reed and Tommy Lee were both available for around the seventy five grand range, which right. again seems very expensive to me. I mean, who's paying seventy five thousand dollars to see? Tommy Lee DJ, like <laughs> that's not, you're not going to make that money back on ticket sales, are you? Um, so, but, but I, I, you know, that's one to keep in the, if we ever do have a DPTM 300 episodes party in Berlin and we want to book someone and we say to our listeners, look, if you each, if you each, if a hundred of you even put in 
uh, $1,000 each, then we've got yeah. enough for <clears throat> Tommy Lee and, and a bunch of bottles of champagne. <laughs> I think also I wanted to give, uh, I wanted to give special mention to New Order and Joy Division bassist Peter Hook, who he famously oh. started DJing in the 2000s, I think. And mm-hmm. he was DJing on vinyl because I think this wasn't quite, it wasn't quite yet when everybody had switched to see DJs, I think. And then he was right. spotted miming and it was it was revealed that he was just playing a pre-mixed recording <laughs> and, and doing the whole hot knobbing to pretend... That, uh, <laughs> that he was DJing when in fact he wasn't, and then he just and then he just copped to it and just because everybody online just said, "Oh, he's not DJing; they're just paying him to stand there and hot knob and wave his hands in the air." Yeah, and then he just said, "Yeah," and he that, said, that "That's is, true. That's true. That is what I'm doing." Sorry, wow, everyone. there you go. But remember when I was in the good bands that had a bit of integrity. <laughs> <laughs> So, Al, this has uh, been a fascinating discussion and we've looked at the long and complicated history of celebrity DJs. But of course now we end as we often do by looking into the future and I want to hear from our listeners, anyone who's got ideas about this, but I'm, I'm going to ask you as well, if you could have any celebrity DJ that you wanted on the yeah. decks, who would you pick? For me... There's there's only one, and I think I don't <laughs> think he's ever DJed before, but I think he's definitely going to be the greatest celebrity DJ of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, would you, would you please welcome to the decks DJ Jared Leto? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if he, I mean, that would be he would slide seamlessly. Can you that, imagine surely? how he's... he would be dressed or undressed for that gig? Yeah. I can imagine he appears. He's next to Steve Aoki. He's got his arm around. Mm. Steve Aoki says, would you please welcome my best friend in the world? Because this is a kind of absolute wank that Steve Aoki says mm. to any celebrity. Would you please welcome a man that calls me his best friend in the whole world? And that's Jared Leto. And then Jared Leto <laughs> just pops out and he's wearing skin tight white pants, no shirt, yeah. long flowing Dr- hair. And dressed he has like the, a kind of neon shaman. Yeah. And he has the blue, like black swan makeup dripping down mm. his eyes and he mm, says totally get, would. get ready for me to play really bad music to you for two hours and then <laughs> <laughs> then just gives you a bunch of 30 seconds to mars remixes <laughs> or whatever they're and called. then he starts monkey climbing all o- all up the side <laughs> of the theater and everyone's <laughs> tips cheering his, tips the speaker over <laughs> jared um, Jared. <laughs> he actually That's does right. he actually does um for a second he does DJ in Requiem for a Dream. Him and the Wayne's oh, brother. Oh, that's right. Him and the Wayne's the Wayne's brother, they take a bunch of heroin and then there's a scene mm. of them mixing vinyl records in their apartment. So he's no wow. stranger to the ones and twos. DJ 30 seconds to Mars. He needs to be smacked up in order to beat mix. <laughs> Do well, you, do you have any? Uh, do you have anyone that you want men or women to be up there? Yeah, behind sure. the ones and twos, mix and blending. I th- the weekend is <laughs> the weekend is landed. All that exists now <laughs> is drugs, clubs, pubs, and parties. I've got forty eight hours off of the world, got... man. <laughs> uh, what's what movie is that? Is that that one? Human traffic. They, that's right. They go to Wales. All I remember is. 
I'm going to wax um, the lot, man. He's got all that money in his back pocket. He's going to wax the lot, man. Tonight, mm. he's Jip Travolta. He's Peter Popper. <laughs> That's right. He's going man, to Never Neverland well. with his chosen <laughs> family, man. With his chosen family. <laughs> Is that the kind of things you say when you go out to the clubs in Berlin <laughs> to your friends and they're going, can you stop? Come yeah. on. You guys are my chosen family. Let's blow the lid off this weekend. I'm Al Travolta. <laughs> I'm, I'm Alexander Popper. I got 100 euros in my back burner. I'm going to wax a lot, man. The milky bars are on me. Woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Just like the guy from Human Traffic, your weekend is ruined by intrusive thoughts that cause erectile dysfunction. <laughs> That's right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we got that, yeah. He's sexually paranoid. I am sexually paranoid. Hey, look, everybody out there who doesn't know what we're talking about, Human Traffic, the late yeah. 90s Welsh rave scene classic fiction film that has so many quotable lines. It made the career of everybody's favorite East London geezer, Danny Dyer. That was his first breakout no, role. Oh, yeah. Wow. Far out. Yeah. And there you then go. a bunch of other people in that have gone, particularly Jip, the guy who's the lead. He is a, real, ac- he's a real actor now and has been. Mm. I don't know if I would recognize anybody else. No, maybe not. Maybe in Wales, they're still pretty big. <laughs> um, <laughs> they just stayed, stayed in Cardiff. The Cardiff Massive. Um, the Cardiff Massive. The Cardiff Massive. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, just to give you my perspective, um, there's been a celebrity that we've talked about previously on the show who's had a massive uh, and triumphant comeback. And I think the real way to put the cherry on that cake would be a couple of DJ sets, maybe a DJ tour. And that's former mummy franchise protagonist, (laughs) Brendan Fraser. I want to see, I want to see DJ Brendan Weeping openly on the decks uh, and thanking DJ everyone Encino. for letting them. DJ Encino, le- thanking thanking everyone for letting him back into their hearts. He, <laughs> <as> he- <laughs> that would be so great. He just gets up there and just he just he just fade. He slowly fade down. Third Eye Blind's semi charmed life, and then he'd pick up the <laughs> yeah, mic exactly. and he'd just start weeping, and he would just say, <gasps> "I just want to say." Thank you so much for this opportunity. And anybody that is experiencing darkness, if you just go towards the light, if you just go towards <laughs> the light, good, that's a good Brendan Fraser impression. Yeah, and then maybe a bit of maybe a bit of was he in Tarzan or George of the Jungle? Yeah, maybe and, they'd yeah they'd make for some good and airheads remixes. and airheads. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think this could be a good move for Frey Frey, <laughs> as I call him. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, we want to say, DJ Frey Frey, come round to Al's house for a couple of DJ lessons. We'll get you up there yeah. at Electric Daisy Carnival, and and <laughs> and you can wicker wicker your way to DJing success. <laughs> <laughs>